Good morning, everyone. Am I on? Okay. Um, the reading is taken from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21, and it's found on page 1064 of your Bible. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loves the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Morning, everyone. I'm Colin. Had my welcome to everybody else's. Just get myself set up here, not disturb the music, else we'll be in trouble. So, I've spent the last ooh, month or so dealing with a well-known telecommunications company. I don't believe in the doctrine of purgatory, but I'm beginning to think it might be a real thing. Um, so, because we've moved house, and all I'm trying to do is, first of all, problems, all right, just bear with me, whinging. But um, we're trying to get internet connected which you think would be fairly simple in this day and age, wouldn't you? But um, 
it's always seemed like just a little bit far away. There's always been like nearly there, and then there's a setback. So a typical conversation I've had was on Monday. Um, yes, sir, we can see your order has been provisioned. I said, but you've, you've not sent me a modem. How am I going to connect to the internet? Oh, well, we can't send you a modem until your order, the provisioning on your order, whatever provisioning is, until that's finished. Um, but I can see there's a technician book to come today. I said, I don't need a technician to, to just plug a modem in. Oh, no, there's not a technician going to come. But there's one booked in for today. And we can't proceed until that technician's... So hang on. So I've got to wait for the technician who's not coming to not come <laughs> before we can get the modem that I haven't got and plug it in. Yes, sir, that seems to be the case. <laughs> Real story, true story. Anyway, this Friday morning, after a month of trying to get connected, I had to have a radical shift in my mindset because they rang up and said, oh, very sorry, sir, Um, it seems that uh, you cannot have ADSL broadband connected at this address. It's on some old pair gain system, if that means anything to anybody. So waiting around for nothing. So whatever I do, whatever the people at the call centre do, however much process we go through, We've got to shift our mindset to know we're never going to get broadband connected at that address. Because physically, it's just not possible. Today, we're eavesdropping on Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus. Uh, and it's an encounter in which, we're called, which Nicodemus is called and we're called to radically rethink, to transform our worldview, to shift our notions about entering the kingdom of God, uh, living with God forever in his perfect place, perfect joy. Uh, We've got to shift, Nicodemus has got to shift his notions uh, and respond by believing in Jesus. Everyone who believes in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. This is not complicated and I want to make sure if you go away today and you hear nothing else, hear that. Um, We've got a leaflet in our letterbox from about Gnosis. Uh, I was writing my sermon notes on it. Gnosis is a liberating knowledge which leads to the discovery of the true meaning of your life. It's a study of the great mysteries of life, death and cosmos, that allows you to attain wisdom through your own efforts and comprehension. And it involves Gnostic psychology, awakening consciousness. Wake up! Awakening consciousness, astral unfoldment. Sounds painful. (laughs) What we're looking at today is a lot simpler than that. Whatever you hear today, make sure you take away what Jesus tells you. Believe in Jesus. Okay. So, a bit of context. Let's meet Nicodemus. um, Chapter 3, verse 1. Keep your Bibles open. We'll do some flicking around later. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Now, often we hear Pharisees and think, bad guy sort of thing. But Nicodemus is a good guy. He's like a defender of the faith, upholder of God's ways. So in the face of foreign invasion and the constant call to compromise by changing culture, he and his peers, his ruling council, have gone to do really bad things. But Nicodemus is striving to make sure that God's ways are upheld. But he knows things aren't quite aren't right just yet. And then he hears about this Jesus. You know, the crowds love his teaching, that's nothing new, but there are signs. He's been doing miracles, convincing signs, stuff that only God could do. 
God must be with this new teacher. And if he really is from God, maybe he's got some teaching that could help him break through. And so he goes. He's not quite willing to come out publicly to endorse this candidate. But he goes at night to see Jesus. And he finds out that you must be born again. Now, I didn't get your outline your leaflets. If you want to write three points that I'm going to split this up into. First one, you must be born again. Second one is, how can we be born again? Third one, why is it like this? So, first up, you must be born again. Then how can we be born again? And why is it like this? So you must be born again, looking at verses 1 to 8. Um, when I was reading this, it just reminded me of this sketch about questions. About, just have a look at this video, and I'll explain. Thanks, Alio. And so to our first contender. Good evening, your name uh, Good evening. You've chosen something as answering questions before they've asked. This time, you have chosen to answer the question before last each time. Is that correct? Charlie Smithers. <laughs> and your time starts now. What is paleontology? Yes, absolutely correct. <laughs> What's the name of the directory that lists members of the peerage? A study of old fossils. <laughs> Who will name Murray and Sir Geoffrey Howard? But. <laughs> Correct. What is the difference between a donkey and an ass? Uh, one's a trade union, nearly the other's a member of the <laughs> And it goes on. It's a great sketch. Go- just Google to Ronnie's Mastermind, you'll find it. Why do I show you that? Because when you read this, it feels like Jesus is answering a question that is not being asked. It it, it seems like he's responding as if Nicodemus has asked a question, but he hasn't. If you look at verse 2, he simply acknowledges that he reckons Jesus is the teacher from God. But Jesus sounds like he's answering a question. Verse 3, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And what Jesus is doing, I think, is answering the question that Nicodemus has behind his statement. Uh, sort of where Nicodemus is going with this. Uh, if you notice, Nicodemus refers to Jesus as rabbi and, and teacher. So Nicodemus is looking for answers in more of the same. More of what he already dedicates his life to. To teaching, knowledge, following the right rules. Uh, Nicodemus is looking for ways he can get himself and Israel into the kingdom of God. That is eternal life in light, in in joyful, right relationship with God. Nicodemus is looking for a teacher, but what he actually needs is a saviour. Jesus tells Nicodemus to enter the kingdom of God requires rebirth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So what's he on about? I mean, Nicodemus doesn't get it. He's like, how can you be like a man? That's just not physically possible. So Jesus gives a clarification. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Well, that's cleared things up then, hasn't it? What does he mean by the the water bit? There's debate has raged about this over the um, centuries. 
about what Jesus means by water and spirit there. The water could mean water baptism. Um, so the water baptism of repentance that John the Baptist was, was going on about, was carrying out. It could just be simply referring to the fact physical birth, there's, there's water involved, there's all sorts of things involved in birth, I've seen three. Um, but water could just be referring to the physicality of physical birth. But what's most likely is that Jesus is referring to something from the Old Testament. And the reason I say that is because Nicodemus is a Bible teacher, and the only Bible he had was the Old Testament. And if you look at verse 7, Jesus says to him, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. And then again in verse 10, he says, you are Israel's teacher. And, and you do not understand these, do you not understand these things? So Jesus is expecting Nicodemus, a Bible teacher, to know what he's talking about. Um, in our house, whenever, when I was at Bible college, whenever a Bible question came up, Robert would say, come on, Bible man, what's the answer? As if I had some sort of Bible superpower because Bible college. Um, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, come on, Mr. Know Your Bible, you should know this already. And Jesus is talking about what is promised in several places throughout the Old Testament, that God would put his very own spirit into people's hearts to make them new and give them life. Uh, and so the best fit is um, in Ezekiel chapter 36 and 37. I've got the relevant verses for this up on the screen. So this is from Ezekiel 36, 24 to 27. Ezekiel 36, 24 to 27. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. This, and this prophecy is going to God's people who are in their exile in Babylon. I will, here's the water bit. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And then in chapter 37 of the same, same book, we've got the story where Ezekiel has to, it's told to prophesy to a valley full of dry bones. You know, basically people's remains. And so he does, and there's a big rattling sound, and they all start putting themselves together and getting flesh and sinew on them. Uh, 37 from verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered, entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. So we've got that language of, of wind, four winds, that's in our past, today's passage. Then jump into verse 14. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. So to sum up what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is telling Nicodemus that no one can enter the kingdom of God except by God's initiative, by God's action. It's only by God cleansing us, by God regenerating us from the inside out, by his spirit, that we can be in right relationship with him. 
We've got no hope except of God rescuing us, God giving us new life. So Jesus correcting Nicodemus' mindset, he's correcting our mindset. He's stopping us looking in the wrong place for the salvation that we desperately need. Stopping us looking in more knowledge, more ideas, more stuff we can do. See, trying to save yourself, it's like the, when they ran the TV commercials on census night after the servers had gone down, telling you to please go and fill in your census online. It's throwing more pointless information after pointless information, asking you to do something you can't possibly do yourself. So it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you're the Australian of the year or if you're a cruel and abusive guard on an offshore detention centre. It doesn't matter if you know the Bible inside out or if you turn yourself inside out to avoid knowing what the Bible says. It doesn't matter if you think you're good enough or you think you're too far gone. It's the same for all of us. What we need is to be reborn by God's Spirit. So if you are a Christian here today, if you are born again, I just encourage you to never forget that. I'm always uncomfortable when I hear people talk about um, how they let Jesus into their heart. I know what they mean. But Jesus tells us it was God from beginning to end who gave you a new heart. It is God who will keep you running the race until the end by his spirit. You started off reliant on God. Don't try and go it alone. Trust in God to keep giving you life, transforming you from death to life. So, if Jesus is right in verse 8, that the wind blows wherever it pleases, that God's spirit cannot be controlled, what, what hope do we have? How can we be sure to be born again? So our second point, how can we be born again? See, Nic- Nicodemus, verse 9, he's sort of scratching his head, and we could be with him, left asking, how can this be? How can this be? Well, before telling us how to be born again, Jesus lays out his credentials, sort of why you should listen to him. So if you look at John three eleven to 13. Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. And verse 13, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Son of man is how Jesus refers to himself in John's gospel. Jesus is saying, I'm an eyewitness of heaven itself. I've got the inside info from the throne of God. So what is this plan? What's the plan from the engine room of the universe of all creation for us to be born again, for us to enter the kingdom of heaven? Verses 14 and 15. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. What's he on about? Well, remember he's talking to an Old Testament teacher. So Nicodemus would have known the curious case of the snakes in the desert, which we can find in Numbers 21. I'll just read three verses from it, so 
you can just listen to it. Um, so the story is God's people are camping out in the wilderness and God has given them more than they need, everything they need. And so, of course, their natural response is to whinge about it. Um, and, and as a punishment, they suffer a plague of snakes. And we get to verse um, 7 in chapter 21 of Numbers. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made, Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. So a snake, a symbol of evil, of poison, of death, was to be raised up on a pole and looked at so that they might be saved. And so, Jesus says, the Son of Man must be lifted up. So Jesus' eyewitness report on the plan from heaven for us to be born again is that he must be lifted up on a different pole, on his cross. Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5.21 puts it like this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The perfect son of God, the perfect light, takes on our sin, our curse, our poison, so that we can be rescued from the consequences of our rebellion against God. So that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Everyone who believes. See, it's not enough to just know about Jesus. It's not enough to just intellectually assent or to just acknowledge that he died on the cross taking our place. Jesus demands that we believe in him. That we believe in him and what he's done for us on the cross. That we believe in him to save us into the kingdom of God. How are we born again? Believe in Jesus. That's it. Not in yourself, in what you can do. Not by being good enough. By believing in Jesus. So I'd ask you. Do you believe in Jesus or have you settled for just knowing about him, being generously disposed towards him? What's holding you back? It is a big step because this belief means that your life is no longer your own. I'm no longer just Colin Taylor and how far Colin Taylor gets in life and how good Colin Taylor is. But I'm Colin Taylor reborn Colin Taylor, who from the day I was reborn, have been about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. So at this point, you can imagine Nicodemus reeling from all this, scratching his head and saying, this is God's plan? Why is this God's plan? So it's our third point. Why, why is it like this? Now, John 3.16, it's a really famous verse. Most of us can quote it. But it's easy for us, I think, to miss the four at the beginning. 
Uh, we've heard this in terms before. If you see a four in a text in the Bible, you've got to ask, what's it there for? Why is it there? Uh, it means it's connected to what's just come before it. So what verse 16 here is this very famous verse. It's answering the question, why is belief in Jesus and what he's done on the cross essential for eternal life? Why must we believe in Jesus to be born again? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Excuse me. So this is the way in which God has loved the world. This is the way in which God has saved the world. And when you say that word world, I wonder what, what springs to mind when they say the world. Is it sort of land, different kinds of landscapes? Is it the great mass of humanity? Or something like the Olympic Games opening or closing ceremony? Let's have a look at what John the, John, the writer of this gospel, how he uses the word world. I think I've got uh, John 1, 9 to 11 on the screen there. So the true light, this is Jesus, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made with, through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And same author in his, one of his letters, 1 John two fifteen to 16. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So you get the gist for John. World represents those who reject God and his ways, who rejects Jesus. He doesn't have in mind the Olympic spirit. He's not picturing um, those two 5,000 meter runners who stopped mid-race to help one another up. He's more thinking of swimmers smashing up a servo. God loves those who rebel against him. He loves us so much, he sends his one and only son. This really costs God. He doesn't love us in some intangible, fluffy clouds kind of way. He loves us in a real person, doing a real thing with real consequences. And he calls us to real belief. Belief in Jesus is necessary because God has acted in him to rescue the world out of rebellion and into his kingdom. Jesus is God's rescue plan. And without him, the world is destined to perish. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. I wonder again how Nicodemus is feeling at this point. So he's lived his whole life dedicated to God's work. He, he's entered he's the conversation with Jesus thinking, uh, if I'm the sum of my parts of what I've done so far, I'm probably doing all right. This teacher from God might have some more insights into how I can keep 
adding to my account. But now Nicodemus finds out that whether he is in or whether he is out of the kingdom of God is very simple. If he believes in Jesus, he will enter the kingdom of God. Perfect life in God's perfect place forever. If he does not believe in Jesus, he stands condemned and will perish. John doesn't expand on what perish means here. Uh, Elsewhere, the Bible calls it hell and makes it very clear that it is not where you want to end up. It's pretty shocking, isn't it? It's shocking because most of us don't see ourselves as at our default position of being worthy of being condemned. But that's because we've only got ourselves to compare one another to. I don't know if you're like me, when you're watching the Olympics, you suddenly get very passionate and think you're very knowledgeable about some minority sport that you've not cared about for four years and you're not going to care about for another four years. And you provide your insightful critique on the performance of the rhythmic gymnastics. Um, Comedian Bill Murray said, every Olympic event should just have an an average guy in it for reference. You know, so you can just see how awesome these... (laughs) You can see how awesome these people are just by having you or me in there. But Jesus is like the the inverse of that. He's the witness of heaven living among rebellious humanity. And he's got the accurate assessment of how we really are. Jesus knows that our default state is condemned. But it's also shocking because Jesus steps in to take that place of condemnation of those still in rebellion against him. Many will not believe this. Um, Verses 19 to 21, which I won't go into, explain why. God loves us bringing light, but on the whole, we prefer darkness. But if Jesus really is who he says he is, if he is the son of God, witness of heaven, then he's not being arrogant. He's just telling it how it is. So, if you're already born again here today, if you're a Christian, never forget that this is all down to God. He gave you new life. Even your faith in him is his gift to you. So keep trusting in God to regenerate you and help you live as one born again. And always give the glory to him for it. And be assured, you are reborn. You will see the kingdom of God. Some of you might be generously disposed towards Jesus. This all sounds good. You find yourself not in opposition to these claims of Jesus. But hear what Jesus is saying to you. Believe in me. And what I've done for you. Give yourself over to Jesus. And be born again. And for some. The idea of standing condemned. To perish because you don't believe in Jesus. Will sound really offensive. Really unfair. Ridiculous even. And so it would be. Unless Jesus really is. The son of God. 
unless his death really was for you. But for all of us, the call is the same. Believe in Jesus that you may have eternal life in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thanks for making this uh, so clear, so simple. If we believe in him, we will see the kingdom of God. Amen.